uh, Jack, this is uh, Ryan. I'm sure you absolutely remember who I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean we were obviously. I mean we're obviously part of the Jurassic Outpost group who put together um, Jack and Chris, especially these two, uh, put together the event. Um, so thank you again for coming out and just joining us and answering the questions that you did. And um, you know, I, I I kind of I know that you get asked a lot of Jurassic Park questions from fans, and I mean you're a paleontologist at heart, so we're gonna try and. <laughs> We're going to try and keep this as JP kosher and scientific kosher um, because we actually have a couple of dinosaurs, science nerds, myself and Chris included. So, um, <laughs> okay. But we, uh, I guess, my first question is: um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are retired now, right? I'm retired from Montana State University. Yes, but but, but not from the adventures of life. Right. I now work at Chapman University in Orange, California. I retired from Montana State University um, and the Museum of the Rockies because I you know, basically filled up the museum. <laughs> wasn't anywhere to put anything else. So I decided that I would retire from museum work and just teach. As well as um, you're working on the Chickenosaurus project. Right. Yeah, some research, a lot of lot of research projects still going on. Um, and that's something that we can probably, I definitely want to jump into, but um, maybe we can do some of the uh, Jurassic questions first. Uh, yeah. Uh, and just some of the I'll general Jurassic talk. I'll jump in with, uh, just to kick off the Jurassic questions. Um, so out of all the Jurassic films that you've worked on, which is your favorite? Well, <laughs> I, you know, they're, they're all different. Um Obviously, the first one was really a lot of fun. It was great to spend so much time with Stephen. Um, uh, but um, Jurassic Park 3 was a lot of fun as well. Uh, Joe Johnston was the director, and he and I became very good friends. And so he actually allowed me to watch, you know, basically the putting together the entire movie. I So I got to spend some time with the editor and, and basically – everyone involved in the movies and that was that was that was a lot of fun in itself and then of course this last one is so different um, you know the whole process is so different and and you know colin's a very different kind of guy that than the other two directors were and so you know that was just, that was fun too so and i got you know got to do a little cameo so that was interesting just to see <laughs> how, how that whole thing works yeah you cameoed with uh with phil tippett right well, Phil, yeah, Phil and I, Phil was, we worked together in the cameo, but um, we were there at about the same time, you know. Okay. Same set. Yeah. Same set. Same hot location in Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, Jack, um, I, I just wanted to know, kind of like going back before the movies, um, Michael Crichton, he reached out to you originally for the novel. Uh, no, actually, um, the first time I met Michael was in the limousine on the way to the premiere of Jurassic Park in Washington, D.C. Uh, oh, I see. He, uh, I had written a book called Digging Dinosaurs. Right. And another colleague of mine named Bob Bakker had written his Dinosaur Renaissance book. And, and uh, Michael Crichton basically, you know, read both of those books and 
and integrated them together to make his Alan Grant character. Um, and then, uh, and, and basically took information out of, you know, both of our books to make a paleontologist and the paleontological story. When Steven Spielberg came along, he, he basically, um, you know, took the Bob Bakker character out of Alan Grant and <laughs> based it primarily on me. And then in, in the second Jurassic Park movie, we actually had Bob in the movie uh, as, <laughs> right. as, as another character. Yeah. <laughs> Who uh, doesn't like snakes? <laughs> Poor guy. Um, no I mean I think that it's pretty cool you've worked on all these movies and I think what's fascinating is the film industry has continued to evolve uh, pretty significantly and change I mean it's taken a heavier lean on CGI Uh, and the Jurassic franchise itself you know it started to when it started itself you know it was trying to stay a little closer to science and obviously with changes to make it more dramatic and more cinematic and scary. But now it almost has a legacy where Jurassic dinosaurs are their own thing. So now, you know, as you work on them, I guess there is a certain caveat that it's got to adhere to the first film. I mean, personally, I'd like to see feathers, if I'm being honest. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, they, I, I guess, you know, there would have been ways to fix that. But mm-hmm. but quite frankly, you know, I mean, it, it would have been expensive. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's what we always have to keep in mind is, you know, movies aren't movies are made to make money. And so, you know, you don't create overhead if you don't have to. And making, you know, feather dinosaurs would have been a real project. Yeah. I mean, even just the rendering, I would imagine that Industrial Light and Magic would have to research some new techniques because they're mainly for hard surface and skin. And I, I don't think I've really seen any big budget pictures use um, heavy feathering. I'd imagine it would right. um, call for I, I worked with, you know, I worked with Steven on uh, Terra Nova and we were able to get um, some dinosaurs with some, you know, pretty good feathery stuff on them. Yeah. But, yeah. That mm-hmm. was, but that was for television. So it was a little different. It's a shame they never made a season two of that. It is, but that again was very. It was a very expensive, very expensive TV show. Very expensive TV show, right? You know, I, I almost wonder though if there is going to be room for television like that with the uh, the rise of Netflix funding projects. You know, bigger budget projects. You know, they've got all their deals with Marvel and. Right. I, well, I almost wonder, especially with computer graphic sets now. I I can see that you know things certainly could be changing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's kind of something that's exciting to me, though, about Jurassic World 2, is it seems to be taking a more, uh, rather than a digital approach, it seems to be diverting back to more analog, like a more practical approach. They're building a lot of sets, they're filming on a lot of locations, they're building animatronics again, and for me, I'm, I personally find that exciting, just putting that real practicality in motion. Yeah, well, you know, it's... it's uh... Again, it's you know, it's it's up to people making it how much yeah. they're going to spend. Exactly. Right. So, I, I think that 
something that people would probably really like to hear is what is the process of working on these films like for you? Like what type of questions do you get when they're designing a dinosaur? How, how much influence do you have? Have you ever had debates back and forth where perhaps you need to try to convince them to go in one direction that's a little bit more accurate to a real animal where they wanted to kind of make it more of a science, you know, a more of a fictional character? Um, well, you know, there are a lot of fictional characters in the movie. So um, in Jurassic Park 1, you know, I certainly spent a lot of time with Stephen and I spent a lot of time in ILM and, and, and you know, the basic, basically my job was to make sure that the dinosaurs looked as good as they could based on the fact that it was a fictional movie and the fact that, you know, Stephen want there, you know, basically they're supposed to look like dinosaurs Yes, you know, we could put them together, but then they become actors. And so what they do on film is, you know, way different than what we expect them to do in real life. Um, but, you know, there were, you know, different dinosaurs. Tyrannosaurus rex, you know, being the star and all, um, looks pretty good for for the time that we, we built it and from the time that it was, you know, modeled. It, it actually looks really good. We know now that it you know, really doesn't look like that, but on the other hand, <laughs> back in 1993, that's, that's pretty much what we thought it looked like. It does a lot of things that I don't think it could have done. But then when you get to the velociraptors, you know, I mean, you know, we took, you know, liberties were taken with its name um, yeah. and the kind of animal that it is. I mean, velociraptor is a tiny little thing. And so basically, you know, Stephen decided to just make it bigger. And, and, you know, I don't care about big. I mean, dinosaur, we don't have any clue how big dinosaurs got. Mm-hmm. Each individual, uh, we're always finding bigger T Rexes and we're always finding bigger sauropods and bigger everything. So we don't really know what their ultimate size are. But, but dinosaurs like the spitter, that is a dinosaur called Dilophosaurus. And, and we have a skeleton of it. Uh, there's one at Berkeley, and it's the skeleton's actually bigger than the than the the, the, the thing we made. So you know, mm-hmm. it was basically made to fit inside of a jeep. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it is it my understanding that the uh, Dilophosaurus scene in Jurassic Park was supposed to be a juvenile? Well, you know, it 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 doesn't really matter what it's supposed to be. I mean, it didn't. We you know, we have no evidence of it having a big flashing around it and or shooting goop out of its mouth or you know i mean it it was a it was literally you know an animal that was you know fictionalized completely yeah yeah i mean while we're on that topic because i'm i love the we've been we've been talking about the dilophosaurus a lot lately the past 24 hours um um, it's a fan (laughs) favorite i mean we're really excited hoping that it's going to come back especially in jurassic world 2 um but uh, was there ever discussion about the, 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 the frill popping out, you know, uh, similar to the basilisk? Like, where did that idea come about? Yeah, well, that's, that was, you know, it is the basilisk. basilisk. Um, I, I have no idea who came up with the idea. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, it looks I didn't, cool. I, I didn't read. I didn't read Jurassic Park the the, the book. I didn't read. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so I don't really read much of anything. So, so I don't even. Was it in the book? Was it in the book? Yep. Uh, I don't know, Chris. Was it in the book? It, the frill was not in the book. In fact, the Dilophosaurus was uh, the real size of the animal in the book. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty big. I don't um, think it's. I I just read it. I should remember, but I don't think it spit either. I think no, it did. It did. It did spit. spit. Yeah, it did spit, yeah. but it did not have the frill. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with with uh, making dinosaurs like that. I mean, we we actually know, you know, we know they had big bony crests all over, and they had lots of display features, and and we actually have found the impressions of soft tissue, you know, little things down their backs and and on top of their heads, and you know, fleshy structures like combs, and you know, I mean, so we know they had all, you know, these. The capability of all of that sort of stuff, so I don't have any problem with display features at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. and as far as size goes, I don't have any problem with that. You know, I the only <laughs> the only issues I ever had was you know that the raptor should have feathers and and all the dinosaurs should be more colorful. But yes, you know, that was that was a discussion Stephen and I had, and I lost. Um, <laughs> Yeah, from my understanding, uh, feathered designs were explored from for Jurassic World. I mean, right. it was very early on, but there were feathered, yeah. at least velociraptors. Yeah, but, you know, and I, you know, we knew that there, that they gave rise to birds, so we knew that there was a good chance they were pretty colorful as well, uh, at least the males. And, of course, in Jurassic Park, we have females, so we don't have to worry too much about that. But, you know, could have been, could have had much more colorful animals. I still think that there's potential for that in the future with future films, even if it's maybe Velociraptors and the Tyrannosaurus adhere to their retro Jurassic look when a new species is introduced, maybe inject some modern science into it and have some fun. If you were going, you know, if you were going to sort of remake the Jurassic Park series, you could certainly, certainly do that. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. come up with all sorts of ways to, you know, I mean, the whole thing is based on, the whole premise is based on the fact that, you know, that that they had to use, they didn't have complete DNA, so they had to add some other stuff to it. So, yeah, so you can. We, so you I guess this is interesting. Uh, it kind of uh, saying with the involvement of the uh, the way the raptors evolved. Which which Velociraptor from which movie was your favorite? Because a lot of people, well, at least I personally prefer the Jurassic Park three raptors with the quills on the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that at least had a little bit of frilly stuff on them. Um, I don't know. I I'm pretty partial to the latest ones. Um, the uh, Jurassic World. Oh, with the scoots. Or Jurassic World computer graphics are just awesome. As far as I'm <laughs> yeah, using the motion capture for the Velociraptors. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they, they did add more color this time around. You know, you had some variation and some. Yes. <laughs> he certainly did. I just wanted to ask: it was the question that we were leading, that we were kind of debating before. Um, we were looking through the di- different dinosaur lists and just kind of wondering what it would be like. So, with some dinosaurs, obviously, you know, that are well known, like Velociraptor, Tyrannosaurus, I'd imagine advising them is advising on them is a little bit easier. 
but we're going through some of the dinosaurs that are supposedly on the islands just by like on the list of the map and there's some ones that are lesser known just even in terms of science like um like if you were if like they were to bring something like what is the name of it metricanthosaurus which is I, from my understanding <laughs> what was that I, I said I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh less. It's like it's not described by many fossil findings at all. So when and there's I, something like there that, are, would you... there are 800 genera of dinosaurs. I don't know them all. There are probably you know a hundred. There are probably a thousand sixth graders that know all of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I knew a lot more dinosaurs when I was younger. That's for sure. I don't I even know how I knew the things I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack, if... we you know that we we every once in a while we did bring you know Spinosaurus was you know sort of a, a weird one to bring into it and that was brought in just just for the purpose of taking T Rex out taking one of the T Rexes out so yeah and, and you know and since you know we did that we've actually learned that you know Spinosaurus was an aquatic animal and. Wouldn't have been out running around on land anyway. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't come out and run around on land. So, you know, when we added it to the movie, we didn't know that, but now we do, and now we know that it, all it did was eat fish. So, yeah, <laughs> going to have a fight with a T Rex. That's actually uh, the fun part. How it always evolves. Jack, with um, with learning. <laughs> With Jurassic World, so I mean, we've we've kind of learned that before the Irex, you know, there was kind of the idea or the concept that maybe the new dinosaur would be, um, you know, something that would be yet to be undiscovered in the fossil record. I mean, it would make total sense for, uh, you know, the geneticist to pull out of a mosquito a, a species of which we haven't seen before. And uh, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. The mal the Malosaurus, the Mylocus. Malosaurus. Yeah, it was actually based off of, I think they found a fossil in China, and they broke it open by accident, and there was soft tissue inside, uh, much like what really happened with the Tyrannosaurus soft tissue. And uh, it's, it was supposed to be like a new super predator discovered in China, and then I think Engine cloned it, and that was the earlier version of Jurassic Park 4. Oh, okay. Jurassic World. So, yeah, Jack, did you have, I mean, did you have say in, in what that was, or, were, or you, were you aware of the Malosaurus, or was it just more of the Irex was your idea? No, I, I I have all the previous scripts. <laughs> um, we were playing with a lot of ideas, and 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 that was that that was a really good idea. I I like that idea. Yeah, I think I like cool. that one of finding something, you know, that wasn't that hadn't been described yet, uh, hadn't been found. I, that that was a great idea, but um, you know, we were talking. Of, Early on, we got to really talking about the fact that if if Jurassic Park were real, if you could, if you had found real dinosaur DNA and you had figured out a way to clone it and bring dinosaurs back, the you know the really the thing that you could do is make hybrid dinosaurs, and so yeah. you know it is from that 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 whole notion. I mean that that is actually a very realistic thing. We could do mm -hmm. that right now. We could make hybrid dinosaurs if, if the premise had been accurate. That, that's think, what I'm saying. Indominus Rex is actually the most accurate dinosaur 
ever in a movie. <laughs> I remember you said that at the Q and A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I guess leading on from that um, about those maybe the original, we've seen so many stories about how Jurassic Park four developed over the years, and obviously you said you've got a number of scripts which you'd never be able to share. But is there any p- specific concept other than the one we just spoke of that you really wish had made it to the screen? No, I, I that was that that was certainly my favorite, other than the one that did. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there was, you know, some of the earliest scripts were, you know, basically, you know, I mean, they were very similar to the, to the previous movies. So, yeah, we Obviously, have everybody knew that it had to be different. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we've we've seen this or read the sales script um, and paratrooping Dilophosaurus and. Yeah, yeah, raptors some with of, dog and human DNA of, in it. Yeah, some of the ideas were a little uh, interesting, we'll say. Um, right. And some, of, especially some of the human hybrid ideas. Um, I, I guess that's a, a question. I guess I have is you know, kind of with Jurassic World and with the you know the Indominus being a hybrid. Uh, you know, we didn't get to see it so much on film. There was kind of a brief snapshot of the uh, Stegoceratops. Um, you know, there's toy lines of the hybrids. What are your What are your thoughts on on this possibly developing into a you know a thing with the franchise of hybrids, or do you think um, you know we just might see more of uh, you know we know that they're not real dinosaurs, but you know more of the classic versions? That's good. You know, what's going to happen? Who knows? I mean, you know, the franchise was for five movies, and this will be the fifth one. So it'll be interesting to see if they do anything beyond here. I mean, it certainly will. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I think Colin has announced that Jurassic World is going to be a trilogy. I think that they yeah. said there's going to be at least one more movie after this one. So they probably they must have renewed the rights. I'm not exactly sure how that all goes down. But uh, I mean, you know, yeah, there, it is interesting. We did see that Stegosaurus. Yeah, I imagine dinosaurs are not going to be going away anytime soon, especially in the Jurassic franchise, though. Whether or not hybrids take over, I think people like like dinosaurs. I think they like to be able to see something that they go to the museum and see the fossils of and see a representation of it in the film. Even if it is kind of dated and retro and monstery, I think people still like yep. to think like this kind of really was a real animal. I think that's the appeal. And for me at least. Yeah. Um so when we're talking about genetic engineering, I think that that could lead us into something very real rather than, you know, fiction. And it's what you're working on currently and you've been working on for some time is the Chickenosaurus. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Because I just find it so incredibly fascinating. Well, it, it was this thing that sort of spun off of the whole notion of Jurassic Park 4. Uh, back in 93, um, back in 1993, uh, when, when we were when Jurassic Park came out, uh, one of my uh, students and I got a grant from the National Science Foundation to attempt to get DNA out of a dinosaur, and and we didn't. We weren't able. To. <laughs> but, uh, and and it turns out the only reason we weren't able to is 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 because it just breaks down too quickly. DNA just doesn't last long enough. But, but Mary, my student, found heme, which is the, which is the iron foundation of blood. It's you know it's 
hemoglobin. And that was very exciting. And so uh, in the early two, um, in the early 20s, 2001 or something like that, um, we found another Tyrannosaurus rex that was preserved really well. And Mary and I did some extractions on that and, and, and we're actually able to find soft tissues, blood vessels and, and proteins and, you know, all kinds of really cool things that we did not expect to see because we thought fossilization would destroy. And so early on, it's, it's, we've known that, you know, that there's some capabilities and every time you have a capability, you know, you think it'd be really cool to bring dinosaurs back if we could, but we can't get DNA. And so we know we can't do it that way, but but as we were sort of moving into the notion, you know, the stories of Jurassic Park 4, um, we realized that, you know, that, that, what we that, that the movie would probably go toward some kind of genetic engineering. And so at that time, I, you know, I, I had already come to the conclusion, you know, that, that it was possible that at least possible not you know theoretically possible that that we might be able to take a bird which is the descendant of a dinosaur and retro engineer some of its dinosaur like characteristics and we didn't really know what the possibilities were at that time but I had some colleagues who were working on the evolution of birds from dinosaurs and they were looking at 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 particular genes that might have um that might have been involved in in this evolutionary process and and i was talking to them about the fact that if we could find those genes we could actually reverse them in other words if they had turned off or they had turned on we could do the opposite and see if we couldn't get some of these characteristics back and so i started writing my book about the same time that we were starting to make jurassic park for the movie originally and my book had actually, you know, even the publisher, we had everything planned for the book, you know, How to Build a Dinosaur, to come out with the movie. But then yeah. uh, Stephen had some problems with Universal and they postponed it. So the book came out by itself and everybody was like, you know, what's this? So this is kind of weird. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's such a it's a fascinating project to be working on and obviously from our end we're just so excited to see more i think it was in 2015 you said from a quantitative point of view you're about 50 percent there how i mean what would the percentage be now well you know when you the project the the laboratory part of the project was started i guess in about 2007 and we were predicting you know we were hoping that we could get it done in 10 years and so it's been what 10 years 10 years so you know we're so um well i guess you know the 2007 is when we started planning for it. It's about 2010 when we actually got the lab up and running and we're actually doing things. So it's been seven. So it's, we've got about, I, I'm predicting, you know, we've got about three years left to, 
to make, you know, some kind of a goal. But, uh, but and what's interesting is, you know, CRISPR has come along and that's a way to knock genes in and knock genes out. And it's a relatively simple process and it's a cheaper process than has been available before. And so, so the capability is there. Um, a lot of the features that, you know, that we were looking at, the, uh, you know, um, arms and hands from wings and teeth and a change in the head, a lot of this has already been accomplished. So really the only thing left that we haven't figured out yet is the tail. Birds have lost their tail. You know, birds have lost the dinosaurian tail. And we thought that might be an atavistic gene. We thought it might be an ancestral gene that all we had to do is flip back on. But and, and we went through, you know, we looked at every kind of animal you can imagine, mice and so forth, and looked at, you know, what had happened when they knocked certain genes out of mice um, and they lost tails. And we looked at some of those gene sequences and tried to flip them back on so we could make tails and tailless mice. And, and what, you know, we came, sort of came to the conclusion that that birds were so different than mice that we really had a we had a different kind of problem and so the the lab really now is working uh, my lab is you know the people are still working in montana on trying to figure out the tail and they're learning all kinds of really cool things about um potential you know diseases in humans i mean they're, sure. they're finding out all kinds of cool things but we still haven't really figured out how to make a tail on a bird. So, you know, we, hopefully in the next three years, we'll, we'll solve that problem. So, I mean, with, I mean, so you, yeah, you think it, you're about three years out. I know that you, when you've worked on the snout and you've worked on the teeth, um, uh, and, and I've, I've been able to read your book and, and learn a little bit more in depth into the process as before all of this happened. Uh, what, I guess, um, how far along in the embryonic stage can you get? Um, I mean, I haven't heard anything, I, 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 and I don't believe if if you're hatching them or not. But I mean, it would obviously be really cool. But I mean, where do you have to draw the line? And I mean, will eventually we see? Uh, you know, if you if you are able to accomplish the tail, um, you know, are we eventually? I guess going to see a, a a fuzzy looking dinosaur creature walking about in the next you know three to five years? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I mean, doing all this for nothing, uh, right? <laughs> you know, you know. we, uh, um, you know, the. I guess the first off, we don't hatch them. Um, everything is done in at a very small, uh, early embryonic stage, and we just basically stain the cells to see which ones are actually growing, which ones aren't. So we can tell what's going to happen without letting the embryo get very far before we terminate it. Um, and, you know, we're even, you know, like nobody, we, everything is done in embryo. Nothing is hatched. I think that's the best way to think about it. And, right. and we don't even get close to hatching. I mean, it doesn't, look like anything and mm-hmm. you know, it 
looks like a red spot on a yolk. I see. Okay. And I, I suppose if you did get the tail, that would present some challenges because wouldn't that change the uh, the balance of the chicken itself when the legs need to readapt for having a tail? Um, that, well, <laughs> some people thought that might be a problem, but there was a, a group in Chile, I believe, that in South America, I, I think it was Chile, that actually did an experiment. They attached what looked to me like a oh. toilet. Mm-hmm. Toilet plunger to the back end of a chicken. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. Yes. And and did some experiments and and said that the animal adapted to it very quickly. Yeah, I remember seeing that ridiculous yeah. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually kind of fun with to watch. a with a plunger to its butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did adapt to the uh, the New Balance and looked quite dinosaur like actually, if you could yeah. picture that as a tail rather than a plunger. Exactly. Um, so, you know, <laughs> does that mean that in the future we might have, you know, have to visit a sort of Jurassic Park of sorts with seeing the Chickensaurus? Like, is that, do you think that's something that people will be able to see in person? But rather than it being about seeing dinosaurs, it's about seeing, you know, scientific discovery and the work that went into it? Well, you know, I, if, once you can make one, um, you know, you can have them for a pet if you want. You don't have to go anywhere to see it. I mean, it's like making a chihuahua or uh, <laughs> any of these other weird dogs, right? And I mean, you yeah, sure. once you once you once you figured out how to do it, you, all you, you know, you can pretty much you know consider it another domesticated animal. And do you think that once you've done it on a chicken, you could do it on other birds? You know, create a uh, even more deadly cassowary. Birds, Ostrich. Birds are monophyletic. They all they share a common ancestor. So, so we use chickens only. The only reason we use chickens is because their egg, you know, their viable eggs are easy to come by and they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Viable ostrich eggs are really expensive, and and so that would be an expensive project. And yes, you know, a chicken chicken's just smaller, right? You know, then you don't have to easier to figure work out. That's right. A lot easier to work with. Um, <laughs> I just, I can't, I mean, I'm just thinking of birds like cassowary, which are actually, you know, beautiful animals, but they, they can be deadly. They've got a mean kick. And I'm just imagining yeah. if we, uh, <laughs> giving them more dinosaur-like traits. <laughs> that's that's what that would <laughs> It's one of those things. Like, I, I would love to see it. There are some dino birds that you probably, you know, want to be careful with. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. You know, some birds like the uh, the Hotson, they, they, they're still, uh, when they're younger, they still have the claws on their wing. Right. So yeah. I think that it is kind of fascinating. It, it, you know, when you look at birds, yeah. you throw a tail on them, they're a dinosaur. I mean, they are a dinosaur already, but if you throw a tail on them, they're they're a dinosaur. It's just it's it's right there in front of you, and it, you take that for granted so often because you're so used to seeing them. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Jack, did you? Yeah. Did, did you have? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we, we have. Well, we have two Jacks. Yeah, two Jacks. <laughs> yeah, I was saying. Uh, so I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just I'm so fascinated with the Chickenosaurus project. Uh, it's so brilliant, but I've got to. 
I mean, we'll trail back into Jurassic Park, and obviously, Ryan, if you've got more Trichinosaurus questions or, or the questions, we can go back to there. But um, i got to say, we, the films are obviously fictional, but when, especially when children watch it, and obviously when uh, Jurassic World came out, a new breed, a new generation of children were became obsessed with dinosaurs. So what do you hope that people take away from it? Do you, do you hope that a lot of people, it kind of inspires them to go into paleontology? Well, it certainly did after Jurassic Park. I had, uh, I had, I don't know, three. I guess I had three graduate students before the movie came out, and they were all male, male students. And after the movie came out, I had, uh, you know, I had eighteen graduate students, and it was fifty-fifty male and female. So. <laughs> So Ellie did her part, you know. We got people interested, got women and you know girls interested in paleontology, and that was a really cool thing. And I think you know, ever since I, I, you know, I talk to kids all the time, and they, you know, call it, you know, kids that are in college now say that they, you know, got interested in paleontology through Jurassic Park, and so you know we seen a pretty constant, you know, run of students that way. Um, yeah. You know, that they're, they're not accurate. The dinosaurs aren't accurate. The storyline isn't accurate. Dinosaurs really wouldn't be like that. They're not going to break a building down just to eat a person when there's a perfectly good <laughs> thick triceratops on the field. But <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's a storyline that people really like, and they're animals that people really like, and and I think the dig scenes themselves in the movies have helped a lot as well. Just you know, people actually seeing you know for years we've seen archaeological digs in the movies, but here we get to see finally a, you know a dinosaur dig in the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even yeah. in Jurassic Park three, they had the introduction of Billy Brennan who was uh, a paleontology he was studying with Dr. Grant and that was, I loved that scene, the kind of throwback to the original film um, with the kind of, uh, the camera kind of tracked up from the uh, from the fossil, it was, it was just really great to see that Yeah, I think it was cool that they uh, you know, they dove into the more you know, back then with the uh, 3D the rapid prototyping of the uh, you know they took some fictional leads with it, the resonating chamber of the velociraptor but i think what it was interesting is seeing how science has continued to evolve and it, we are learning new things about dinosaurs and experimenting in new ways i think that it really did help illustrate that it's not just pulling things out of the ground actually that particular scene where they were rapid prototyping uh, the the Narial chamber of a velociraptor was mm -hmm. based on research we had done at Montana State University, where we had uh, cat scanned a duckbill dinosaur, oh, and yeah. then, and then with a very early uh, rapid prototype machine, we had created uh, uh, a hard copy. I, I think it might have even been made out of sugar at the time. Um, uh, cast of that internal structure of the of this duckbill dinosaur and then we made a mold around that of of a special kind of plaster that was very similar to the density 
uh, and strength of bone. And then we, you know, blew air through it and mm -hmm. attempted to determine the pitch of a dinosaur. So that this is the Parasaurolophilus. Well, it wasn't a Parasaurolophilus. This was a, a dinosaur called Hypacrosaurus. Oh, and, okay. And this was this actually was what that that thing was based on. So that actually was based on real science. <laughs> that's awesome. That, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that's what's really cool is a lot of times people don't realize all the just the the experimental ways to discover more about dinosaurs that are happening. I mean, there's just so much, the, no. the sky's the limit, the, honestly. That was Jurassic Park 3. And so that was, you know, Joe Johnston had come out to the field with us. Um, so the, you know, the, even the field site was you know, almost a, he went out and found a copy of my pickup truck in somewhere in Los Angeles that's, that's in there. You, you look at real closely it'll, it says museum of the rockies montana state university on it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i mean they, they had gone he had gone to a lot of trouble to you know copy a lot of the stuff that you know that we did at the museum at that time yeah it's it's a uh, it's incredible to see i mean just kind of a lot of um not only what you did throughout your career but you know kind of um embodiments in, in, in the scenes of, of, of some of your, your biggest achievements, I guess, in, in your career, um, I guess, a, a, including Jurassic Park, but, uh, you know, considering just the work that you've done throughout your entire life, what would you consider, I guess, your crowning achievement? Or do you feel like you've yet to discover that? I mean, you're, you're constantly discovering and, 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 and uh, theorizing, um, you know, new behaviors and, and, and revolutionizing the way that people see, and think about dinosaurs. Um, what do you consider your biggest achievement? Great graduate students that have gone on to become great paleontologists. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's a, actually an amazing answer. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like uh, for me and Chris, even included, I I was a dinosaur nut before Jurassic Park came out. Um, and it's funny because just some of the research that I've done on you and uh, I, I think your son included, I was around seven or eight years old when I, uh, I, I lived in what I like to call the Badlands of Missouri. And I had this, uh, this giant uh, boulder rock in, our, in the front of our house that was just encrusted with old ancient seashells and um, crustaceans that I could, all I had to do was, you know, uh, chip, it, chip it away. And that got me interested. And um, I actually... Um, you know, you you have been a childhood hero of of all of us and and many Jurassic Park fans. But just being a dinosaur nerd and having the movie just ignite that flame, um, you know, I I've always wanted to be a paleontologist at heart. Um, which which leads me to a question: How do I get on a dig site, Jack? Because <laughs> I would love to volunteer. You don't have to pay me. I'll bring my own snacks. I can. I I'll, I've. I've lived in the Badlands for about a week. I could probably do it for a little bit longer. How does one <laughs> go about helping uh, graduate students, or, or I guess how do how do we help dig up dinosaurs? Um, it's a process. Um, we get. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just. I'll, let me just say that that you know. 
back in back in the days when I was attempting, you know, when I was first getting into the field and 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 looking for volunteers, they, they were they were hard to come by. I mean, I would get some geology students and I'd get a few people off the street. Uh, by by the late well, by the mid nineteen nineties, we had you know over a thousand people trying to get on the sites, and we had to you know we I would take at the most I would take a hundred people, and so so it, it became a a real project to find the right kind of people. Yeah, because we had to find people that really could live in a communal situation and really pitch in and you know help with everything—the dishes and, and mm-hmm. cooking and all that. Um, It—it—it's it, it, a you know it, it really is a very communal living situation and 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 it requires that everyone you know really help out at in all levels and so so. You know, when we're looking for people, we really do screen well, and we have to. Uh, but we also have visitors that come out to the sites. You know, and just want to come out and spend a couple of days and look and see what see what how what's happening. Um, if you are interested in seeing a site, or, you know, the best thing to do is send me an email. <laughs> you got it. I I can I can do it all, Jack. I can cook. I can sing around the campfire. Uh, I've never heard you sing. <laughs> oh, just I, I, I took wilderness survival classes. I, I can do it all. I can lift about fifty pounds. So you just <laughs> just tell me how to do what I need to do. You sound like you're pretty handy. <laughs> I, I just I'll pay you if I have to. But <laughs> you know, it's funny because I actually almost did uh, join you on a dig, but unfortunately, life came at me. And some things didn't work out, but I was actually, you know, I had gone through a lot of the processes, emailing with um, the different people involved, and things were actually going to happen. So I've got, I've got to make that happen eventually. Unfortunately, right. that was many years ago, but I, I've got to make it happen now. Just, it, it's pretty easy to do. I, but, but you know, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's a screening process. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris is a crazy person, and I'm I'm that's normal. The easiest, thing, the easiest thing to say on you know in a public lecture is that it's a screening process. Yeah. You know, I, I think that is something that's worth noting. Is a lot of people supporting the sciences is incredibly important. So for people who are listening to this who want to continue to support the sciences, support paleontology, but aren't necessarily interested in you know getting their hands dirty on the dig. Um, is there any advice on how they can support like what you do? Do you have any ways that you think that they can just help get the word out and help just continue that forward momentum? Well, you know, a lot of it is, you know, donating to museums uh, that, that do paleontology. I mean, that's paleontology doesn't get a lot of funding. I can assure you, you know, it's especially in well current administrations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not too excited about you know evolutionary biological studies. So, so you know anything you can do to you know help a paleontologist donating to their projects is you know a great thing to do. Yeah, that actually sparks a question. Uh, 
would Chicken of Soros have come about had George Lucas not told you he wanted to fund it? Um, George Lucas didn't actually voluntarily fund it. Um, George Lucas gave me, it's a funny story. He, uh, I invited him to the field. Um, I invited a lot of my friends out to the field that I knew. And Did he go through and, a screening process? And, and George, <laughs> George probably wishes he would have. Uh, he, he, uh, George came out to the field, um, and he brought his kids, and, and the kids loved it, and George hated it. And, and he, he basically said, you know, he basically, at the end of the, of his time out there, he basically said, I'll give you a a pile of money, but don't invite me back again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That sounds about right. (laughs) But he gave the, but he gave the money for anything I wanted to do. And so it was, it was for at my discretion as to what, would happen with it and so i decided that it would be the dino chicken project and he agreed that that was just fine that's awesome <laughs> just as long as i didn't invite him back to the field again <laughs> that's so yeah. have you uh uh how's the consulting going for jurassic world 2 well i i have read the script i made lots of comments i'm I talked with Glenn McIntosh about some stuff, you know, that, and I, of course, signed my NDA, so I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, we're going to throw some, I mean, we're notorious for trying to throw some left and right hooks, so um, you might want to be on your toes for the next few minutes. But uh, you've, you've mentioned, I know that you can't say much, but, you know, you've mentioned that it's going to be good and it's going to be scary. We've, uh, we're pretty excited to see Dilophosaurus back. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Well, you know, I can't. I don't know what dinosaurs are actually in it, which ones, other than the ones I've read in the script, and I can't talk about those. So. Dang. See, I, I'm done with that. <laughs> I think that it is, though. It's pretty cool that you're working on. You're working on so many projects. You know, influencing cutting edge science in the paleontological fields. You know, genetic research. Uh, working on films, I, very few people can tick so many things off their list and be so influential, and also just work on so much. I think that that's just that's such a great achievement working with students, um, and, I, and of course making it out to our event as well. Like yes, finding time in your schedule is so grateful that you made it. Out. And for I this think it made everybody's day getting to meet you. Oh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. We, and we do you still have? I got to ask. Do you still have the sketch that Yaroslav gave to? He drew you. Uh, and then yes. handed that to you. I do. That, that was, I was impressed. I tell you, that was. Yeah, he did that. Guy. He did that in twenty minutes. I. That, <laughs> that's what you said. I. I. That is just shocking to me. Yeah, <laughs> he's a talented guy. Yeah, he really is. He's uh, a lot of fun as well. But um, yeah, obviously we can't talk about Jurassic World two. I think that we've kind of exhausted our Jurassic Park and um. <laughs> All of our questions, I don't think we're going to grill you on anything. Is there anything that you personally wanted to say or add or that you wanted to talk to before we move to closing this out? Well, I I just I want to thank all the fans. They're, they're great. I, they had great questions. They're a very enthusiastic group. I was amazed at how many of them. I was amazed at how many 
Jurassic Park t-shirts there are in this world. <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. A lot of different, a lot of variation. Yes, there is. No, no, the, the fans are great. They're, 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 not only, they're not only a good bunch, but they are very, besides being enthusiastic, they're very knowledgeable about dinosaurs, which is, which is great to see in, you know, in people who like movies. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I guess um, with you working on Jurassic World 2, do you think you'll make it out to any other sets? <laughs> I, I don't I don't, you know. <laughs> I have to say that, you know, that 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 set in uh, Louisiana in June was probably that, that was that was enough. <laughs> you were George Lucas that day, hating every part of it. <laughs> that was the hottest, most humid place I think I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I guess that is yeah, a nice part that they're in London now. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I don't. I don't really need to go to the set. I, you know, it's. It, it, they've they've moved into a whole new realm of the way they do things, and and quite frankly, Glenn McIntosh and his crew are just so good at what they do now that they don't really. You know, there's no need for a scientific advisor other than to go through the script. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited to see just what's going to come about. We, I mean, there's we try to keep things as non-spoilery as possible, but you know, there's been a few things that we've we've caught on to, and we're just we're really excited to see what's in store for next year. But uh, in terms of the, just the event, um, you know, we were just so impressed with uh, with uh, the turnout as well, and we're hoping to you know try and do this again soon. So it would be great to have you again. Um, I'm I'm definitely happy to. In your event anytime. That was, that was fun. Thank oh, you. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you, thank you so great. much. That really does mean a lot. And it was just, we, we had a blast ourselves and we were so thrilled that you made it out. I mean, I think I said to you at the event, we all kind of grew up watching Jurassic Park, obviously, but also watching behind the scenes. So for me and for everybody here, and for a lot of people listening, you were a childhood hero. So it was impressive to meet you in person. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Well, thank you. No, I just I'm just having fun. You know, that's all I do. Just have fun. I don't know. <laughs> it is some hard work. I tell you um, what, for sure. If you guys have any other questions, I I know that I've no. personally. So, I mean, I could probably sit here and grill questions all day, but in terms sure. of you know, in terms of keeping this realistic and time affordable, I think that I, I've I've said what I should say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Horner, for joining us and, and answering our questions and helping us or, you know, letting us kind of geek out a little bit um, and hope to hope to talk to you soon. You are very welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Horner. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much.